Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Brick House Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Johnson. And I'm Matt Baker. Bob, we're past the draft. We're steamrolling right into free agency. Yeah, it's it's like Christmas Eve, uh, the night before free agency when we're recording this, June 30th. Are you implying that every day of free agency is like Christmas Eve? And Christmas simultaneously. Well, July 1st is Christmas Day. That's when the free agency begins. That's, That's what... when the Phoenix Suns show up to Tom Chambers' house and make him the first unrestricted free agent or however that went. <laughs> Before we get into uh, some free agent predictions and some draft night uh, remembrances, I wanted to talk about one of my favorite subjects, NBA conspiracy theories. Oh, yeah. I actually had an Oliver Stone sighting today. Mm. The king of the conspiracies. Where was Oliver Stone? Uh, just, you know. At work? Someplace in Hollywood. Gotcha. Some fancy pants place. But yeah, this fits right in with uh, his, his, his latest movie, I think, is going to be on Edward Snowden. Oh, so, that's right. So yeah, lay it on us. Be well, the I, Oliver Stone, Bob. I just wanted to point out. I'm sure you might have noticed, Matt, that the Cleveland Cavaliers, especially LeBron James, started wearing a lot of shirts. Oh, people wearing graphic shirts. Graphic tees oh. depicting WWF or WWE wrestlers. And not all the Cavs. J.R. Smith doesn't wear shirts. J.R. Smith, that's true. Yeah. Post-finals, he has still not had a shirt on. I saw the uh, LeBron had the Ultimate Warrior t-shirt getting off the plane in uh, Cleveland. Well, the Ultimate Warrior, not only a professional professional wrestler, but also the Ultimate Warrior, sneak disc yeah. to the entire Warriors team. Right, yeah. Plus, he had the Kermit the Frog drinking tea hat on. Did you notice that? Uh, that was none of my business, Bob. <laughs> I guess that's some sort of meme to uh, imply, like, I'm going about my business. Yeah. Kermit, he, just drinking his tea. And, uh, you know, FTH. But I point this out because before LeBron rocked the Ultimate Warrior shirt, he didn't unveil that one until they had actually won Game 7. He was wearing an Undertaker shirt. Yeah. After the games, Kevin Love wore a Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt and was had video taken of him pounding beers. I, yeah, Stone after Cold they won, yeah. In the back room. The symbolism came to me after I was watching an interview C.J. McCollum did with Adam Silver a postseason interview that McCollum has done for the past three years with Silver. Illuminati conspiracy theorists are always pointing out the fact that everything is hidden in plain sight. Right. It's all symbolism, man, that's just right there uh, keeping you asleep. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, before we get in too deep, uh, I just want to say how sad I am that Game of Thrones ended this Sunday. Oh, you and me both. Man. Yeah, it was especially heartbreaking just the way... You know, that show ended for the season. <laughs> you know, the NBA is almost a 12-month-a-year entertainment cycle, news right. cycle. But we do have to actually wait a solid three and a half, four months until we get NBA games again. With Game of Thrones, it's 10 months in between seasons, Matt. But I wanted to point out a article that I read you know, whenever we have a moment to breathe around here with Brickhouse, I think I just naturally gravitate back to Sam Hinkie. Mm -hmm. Sam Hinkie was the first guy we talked about on the first ever episode of Brickhouse. Oh, wow. 
Yes. You know, he's really inspiration for the whole show. Please remind us of the comparison of what he compared himself to, a large bird. The moa? Yeah, the moa. The extinct New Zealand, a five-foot-tall, 400-pound flightless bird. Yeah. There was a uh, sign on draft night in New York that read, Hinky died for your sins. (laughs) Homemade draft sign made by a fan on draft night. And I really thought that was appropriate. Jordan Brenner for ESPN wrote a really nice article about Hinky. Hinky sat down and, and spoke to him for the first time since his 13-page letter was leaked online, embarrassingly for him. And this first paragraph is kind of artistic. It reminded me of a Cormac McCarthy opening paragraph of one of his novels, and I just want to read it for, for you and our listeners. Then we'll get into just some highlights, uh, hinky quotes sure. and so on. Jordan Brenner here. I recommend this article, ESPN. So three months before the draft and three weeks before he ended the NBA's most controversial experiment in team building through corporate harikari, <laughs> Sam Hinkie sat in the food court of a Providence mall and plowed his way through a chalupa. I just thought it was very, you know, tastefully done yeah. opening paragraph. There's a lot of good quotes from Hinkie. He talked about it in the 13-page letter, how... The decisions he was making, he knew would inevitably be his own downfall, even if they were best for the long-term future of the club. Right. So here's a quote from Hanky. So many of my friends will tell me, don't do that. Don't try that. It's going to end poorly. They'll run you out. There's a huge agency problem in the whole business, particularly in my role. Keep the job. Mm -hmm. To perfectly understand somebody is to predict their next move. Also another good quote from Hanky. Some of the controversy that came from... Working with Hanky, though, is because he was trying to win every deal so hard and really did succeed in doing that. Yeah. Uh, he succeeded in setting the Sixers up for the foreseeable future because of all those those uh, hard negotiations for draft picks and, and so on. But he also turned off 29 other managers, or, who are which the only people you can negotiate with right. in the so NBA. He- he played hardball so hard that no one wanted to play with him anymore. Yeah, the quote from Brenner's article is such. We're in a competitive business, says one Western Conference exec. I think a lot of people feared what Sam was doing. What if it works? It will become the new model. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> well, one criticism of these metrics guys, analytics guys, Maury and Hinky both, is that they favor numbers and analytics and don't take into account the culture, psychology, or fit of players, right? Yeah. And Hinky refuted this in this article. Sure. Uh, one thing was that he taught players not to call the ref referees ref, yeah. but rather to learn their names. And so to do that, they set posters up in the practice facility <laughs> yeah. that were on the back of the bathroom stall doors that had the faces of all the refs in the NBA and their names. And Hinky jokes, uh, what else are you going to do in there? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Matt, you know, the big section for this episode of the Brickhouse podcast is free agency, of course. And since we're on the eve, this will probably come out and some players will have already you know, pick their teams and signed deals. So I wanted to go through and not say necessarily 
where we expect these players to go because right. that sometimes can either be obvious or a crapshoot. Yeah. Um, but rather suggest where the best fit and the worst fit would be for these particular free agents. Maybe a caveat to the whole title would be you know, the best fit and the worst fit that is not the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I was in, I was in favor <laughs> of making that the segment name. It might get it just a little repetitive to say, you know, actually the worst place you could go I, for everyone. I don't is the have Kings. I don't have him on my list, but the best place for Lance Stevenson to go is the Kings, in my opinion. There are exceptions to the rule, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, meaning the the worst place is actually the best place. You know, if Dwight Howard were offered a five hundred ninety-five million dollar contract or whatever his max is from the Kings, I'm sure he would take it too. Right, but whatever his max he thinks his max is. We'll get to Dwight in a second. Let's start at the top, and the number one free agent we all know is Kevin Durant. So my suggestion for the best place he should sign is Oklahoma City, but oh. on the condition that he uses this leverage he has right now with uh, being such the most sought-after free agent since LeBron, to agree to sign with the Thunder on the condition that they relocate back to the city of Seattle, Washington. <laughs> I think they would actually do it yeah. rather than lose Kevin Durant to free agency. Right. Even if you can't frack up there because it might harm the, uh, the seafood industry. Hey, you can frack anywhere, Bob, <laughs> if you put your mind to it. I like that. The worst place that I think... Kevin Durant could sign the Golden State Warriors. And it just reminds me of exactly when LeBron teamed up with Miami. I think the same goodwill that KD has built up after all these years would would have the same sort of effect if he chose Golden State. One interesting um, thing I saw in Dime Magazine about KD is that there's growing belief that he may actually avoid doing this one-in-one -one deal that everyone assumes he's going to do. Yeah. And if you don't know, it's because he's a nine-year player in the league. Once you're a 10-year player in the league, you can get 35% of the salary cap for a max contract as opposed to 30%. Yeah. So if he just signs a one-year deal and then signs his longer deal next year, it'd be the difference of, I think, like $35, $40 million. Over the life of the contract. Yeah. Right. Ten, so, ten million a year, eight, eight to 10 million a year. So on paper, it looks like the right decision. But there's growing uh, murmuring among Durant's circles that he might just go ahead and sign another five-year deal with the Thunder this summer uh, because it was just such a stressful thing for him to yeah. be the looming free agent and doesn't want to go through what he just went through this season. Now, LeBron James did make this list. He's just number two for me, Baker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although I don't really have best choice, worst choice. I have only choice, Cleveland. Yeah. And worst choice would just be following Della Vadova wherever he goes, I guess. <laughs> the the bromance that... What if what if Della Vadova was actually the leader of the gang? Uh, what if LeBron was taking the pictures of Della Vadova at the roller coaster... Did you see him at like the amusement park after they won? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You uh, said LeBron is his like stalker. His photographer, yeah, Delhi. yeah. Andre Drummond is number three on this list. Yeah, for uh, free agents. I think he's going back to Detroit because they're they can offer him a whole bunch of money. Mm -hmm. So in theory, that's the best place. One one team name that has a lot of money and has 
no players and has less players than when I thought they had no players this morning is Brooklyn. Because <laughs> yeah. I was looking at their roster, this their depth chart this morning, and since then I have discovered that Jared Jack got waived and El- and Wayne Ellington declined his player option. So who would today be the starting five for the Brooklyn Nets? Uh, Isaiah Whitehead, who they drafted, would be point guard. Rondé Hollis Jr. The 56th pick in the draft yeah. would be a starting point guard? Right. Rondé <laughs> Hollis Jefferson would be a shooting guard. Bojan Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich would be oh, yeah, small he's forward. The, he's the decent Bogdanovich. Chris McCullough, power forward. And Brooke Lopez at center. Now, I'm not saying Drummond should go to the Nets because they have the center. I just think that they because they have Lopez. But I think Brooklyn Brooklyn's going to do something. They need to do something. But I think wow. someone's going to get a lot of money from Brooklyn. I think the best case, the scenario I would like to see with Drummond is Spurs, just because I think that Aldridge, Kawhi, and Drummond would be great. The best thing for him is just take the money and stay in Detroit, I think, and play with Stan Van Gundy. Yeah, I that's what I said. If you want advice about where Andre Drummond should stay, just look at Dwight Howard's right. career since he left Stan Van Gundy. Right. The worst team I say he could sign with would be signing on the same team as Dwight Howard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be the worst. That would be the worst. Mike Conley's next. I think the best team for him to sign with would be the Spurs. Yeah. Like he would replace Parker as the uh, new big three. Parker could come off the bench. And uh, the future would be set out with Conley, Leonard, and Aldridge. But I hear that really it's between Dallas and Memphis for Mike Conley. And he really has 120 million reasons to stay there in Memphis Man, if that's... they do give him a five-year deal. What's the what's the most uh, four, do we know the most the four year deal can be like eighty eighty five somewhere in there? When I was going through this list of best and worst case scenarios, a lot of it came down to there's just too much money to stay with your your own team. Yeah, we were saying the there's a tier of players: Mike Conley, Al Horford, and Nicholas Batum that are rumored to be signing on the dotted line the second they're offered yeah, that fifth year right. max deal. In my first ever Brickhouse blog post, I said that Nick Batum should go to New York because I just think that would be... I, I said uh-huh. I, I like Batum, but to me, New York signing him for too much would just be a classic Knicks, Knicks thing, someone like that. They'll sign him for too much in five years. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot. This was my 2021 <laughs> blog post. What do we think... Hassan Whiteside. It all signs sound like the Lakers are going to go hard after him. For the best case scenario, I put the Lakers and I say Hassan Whiteside can be Andrew Bynum 2.0. Oh, yeah. He can show promise. He has done that. Sign a massive deal. Make a few TMZ headlines spending money in a crazy way. You remember Andrew Bynum like dumping Dump. cash into the crowd? Yeah, that was on. Is he threw a birthday party for himself at a LA club after signing his max deal with the Lakers, and was just throwing I think thirty to sixty thousand dollars into the crowd in cash. He, that and he always would double. Yeah, double parking his cars wherever he would go. Yeah, yeah. Next step after getting paid, take it easy, go bowling, grow your hair out. You made it. <laughs> you you know. is that worst case scenario for hassan whiteside oh i put that as best and also for the worst i put that's also the lakers yeah that, that's 
we didn't talk about this before, but that's exactly my thought. I had yeah. that same thought with Whiteside is the best and worst for him is Los Angeles. It seems inevitable. Yeah, I mean, if you think of the Lakers' history, you can think of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Wilt Chamberlain and the, Jerry West. And yeah, the, but the the centers, you know, there's a oh. tradition of great centers yeah, in Los Mike Angeles. And, George Mikan, you know, then with Jerry Buss, he inherited Kareem, mm-hmm. followed by Shaquille O'Neal. Dwight Howard had a brief uh, dance with the Lakers. Yeah, but now with Jim Buss, it seems like Hassan Whiteside is that perfect combination. You know, if Dr. Buss has Kareem and Shaq, Tommy Boy, his son, should have Hassan Whiteside. And Bynum. Yeah, (laughs) Bynum Bynum was Jim Buss's too. Right. Another guy on the list is DeMar DeRozan. Oh, yeah. A max deal for him, if the Raptors give him five years, would be $161 million. That is more than Drake money. Which is why I put it as the best possible situation for DeMar DeRozan. Right. <laughs> what do we think the best possible situation for DeMar DeRozan that's not Toronto would be the Lakers? I put that as the worst possible because the Lakers are a big market. I think watching DeRozan in the playoffs showed that he is a great regular season player. Yeah. But I don't know if he's a great superstar. Right. So, and he would be filling in for Kobe Bryant in the city that he's from. Right. And that might be too much of a shadow for DeMar DeRozan so to play in. Best thing for DeRozan is to say stay virtually out of sight for 82 games in Toronto and, and then get paid. And get paid. <laughs> yeah, cuz no one people get pay, to the free throw line. People pay attention to to Toronto starting April 15th through whenever they get knocked out of the playoffs. I have a few young cats, young bucks, okay, want to talk about. Uh-huh. Evan Fournier, Alan Crabb, Tyler Johnson. Okay, a couple of different classes of players. Right. I think Crab, Crab really overachieved this year in Portland. Yeah, he played well uh, filling in for Lillard and McCollum. And... Yeah, he's expected by some people to be getting $17-plus million a year right. on this next deal. You know a team that Crab would fit on right now because they're, they're looking for players. Who's that? Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. It just seems a little similar as the Nets swiping away Travis Outlaw five, six years yeah. ago with a big deal, which at the time I think was four years, 16 million, not That's one right. year, 16 yeah. million. Yeah. Back in the day when people would sign guys to five, $5 million deals and you'd be wondering what they were doing. They used their amnesty clause on Travis Outlaw. Classic. I'd throw Tyler Johnson in there just because – he, like I said, right before we started recording, we're, we could be very well living in a world where Tyler Johnson and Steph Curry make the same amount of money next year. That's nuts. Did you know that Tyler Johnson wrote a letter to the Miami Heat? He actually grew up in Florida. Yeah. And when he was a 12, 13-year-old child, wrote a letter to the Heat organization saying that he would one day play for them, he hoped. Really? Yeah. That's pretty awesome. You know, speaking of the Miami Heat, one guy who has said that he is considering not playing for Miami next year oh, yeah. is their own golden boy franchise cornerstone, Dwayne Wade. You know, Pat Riley and him had kind of contentious negotiations last year when he signed the one-year $20 million deal. Yeah, last year his negotiation tactics were questionable, although effective. He said that he would 
either play in Miami for you know twenty million dollars as he ended up getting from Pat Riley, or that he would play in Cleveland for three million dollars. <laughs> yeah. And you know, after LeBron revealed the secret motivation for right. his championship mm-hmm. this past year, it kind of makes sense how Pat Riley made it rain on Dwayne Wade after you know that threat. Yeah. And Wade knew exactly what to say, furthermore, you know, to make that happen. Right. Matt, the the biggest mystery for me of the 2016 free agency is got to be... Our boy. Dwight Howard. Yeah. I said the best case scenario for him would be to take less than the max and play for either the Dallas Mavericks or the Miami Heat. Now, and, and show show the world get back in the good graces of the world get back in the good graces of the pick and roll defensive effectiveness lob dunks and not being a prima donna complaining about post-ups orlando dwight basically yeah i believe in spolstra and carlisle for really getting the best out of their players and finding ways to not put a round peg in a square hole but use a player to the best of their abilities. Jordan Heck of the Sporting News quoted a former coach, Tim Welsh, on Dwight, who was talking about a Western Conference coach that he talked to today, or the day this article was written. This is a quote on Dwight Howard that maybe sums up the opinion of him from a lot of executives in the league. Quote, he's not motivated anymore. He's just playing for money. He turned down $24 million, quote, because he thinks he can get a max deal. He's not getting a max deal. Players cannot stand playing for him. I talked to an NBA coach today who said he'd rather play with four players on the floor than have Dwight Howard on wow. his team. And that's a fact. Wow. Howard Beck of the Smoke Bleacher. Smoke screen. Smoke screen. <laughs> yeah. Howard Beck of the Bleacher Report also wrote a uh, pretty scathing article of Howard that was not just like his opinion, but a collection of interviews that he's had from around the league trying to gauge Howard's value and how he's going to be viewed in the free agency market. A team official has worked with Howard, concurred, saying this is from the, the Bleacher Report article, quote, If he gave up the post thing, he would be an unbelievable dominant presence in the middle. He's a great rim protector, screener, rim runner. He's probably the best in the league at that. He'd be getting a four-year max right now if he were doing that. Um, He's just too stubborn. Yeah, he's just got this idea that he's Superman. Post, give me the ball. Mm -hmm. Um, This article goes on to say that, that that is assumed to be coming from how Howard is very impressionable and how he takes advice basically from the last person he talked to, which is how he ended up opting in to the last year of his contract in Orlando when it looked like he was, you know, on the precipice of being shipped to Brooklyn, opted in, then, you know, forced himself to go through the whole process for a whole nother year before he was traded to the Lakers. Right. The teams that inquired about Howard at the trade deadline this past year were Milwaukee, Boston, Charlotte, and Atlanta. So they also figured it'd be, you know, people vying for his services in free agency. But in general, this is from the Bleacher Report, team executives said that 
Dwight's starting salary should be no higher than $15 million. Wow. Which, to put in perspective, is $2 million less than Inez Cantor, the backup center for yeah. Oklahoma City. $9 million less than he turned down to stay in Houston. Also that. Yeah. Uh, what is also working against Howard this year in free agency is that the market is really flooded with centers. Um, as we've already talked about, Drummond. Al Horford, Hassan Whiteside, Andre Drummond. Also later on this list, Joakim Noah, Al Jefferson, Jan Mahimi, and Bismack Biombo. Yeah, they're not. it's not hurting for centers this year. Right. I just really wish he would just swallow whatever it is and just play a year, show people what he can do, and then go get it, go get the money next offseason. But he's just I can't help but think he's just going to do something dumb. You're probably right. <laughs> just as long as it's not in a damn Rockets uniform, I'll, I'll feel a lot better about it. Uh, another free agent, technically, Dirk Nowitzki. Oh, yeah. His best fit has got to be in Dallas, and Dirk's going to have a statue and a paying gig on the Mavs staff until he dies. He probably won't even have to do anything ever except just be a Mav for life. Yeah. The worst fit for him, I just said, was Miami. Not because it would be necessarily a bad basketball fit. It would just feel wrong. (laughs) Yeah, it'd just be really weird. What do we think about Biombo? Biombo is another one of these players, uh, along with uh, Marvin Williams, Ryan Anderson, who is going to get probably $16, $17 million a year. And Biombo's aside, you know, what sets him apart from Williams, who had a pretty good season, yeah. and Ryan Anderson, who's a just a gunner, you just know, a shooter. He's Ryan Anderson is uh, benefiting from the time and place he's in in the NBA. Being, oh, yeah, uh, a stretch four, right? You know, really good at that particular skill set. But Biombo is one of the players that I think is complete fool's gold. He got to play because Valanciunas was out with an injury in the playoffs was grabbing rebounds because the guards for Toronto were shooting shooting historically terrible numbers for starting backcourt that was actually winning games. Yeah. And there was no evidence of this in the season before. He was a backup center that Charlotte was just happy to get rid of last year. Right. His hands are made of like complete stone when (laughs) his teammates try and throw him the ball. Yeah. How close do you think he is to Whiteside? Do you think he's, you'd rather have Whiteside, I assume. Whiteside is way more skilled and coordinated. In the the low post as far as scoring. In the low post as far as catching lobs. Right. uh, Catching the ball period. Right. Shooting free throws. Because they're, they're, Beyond for as small a sample size of uh, Whiteside as we have, we have an even smaller sample size of Biombo as far as massive productivity. Yeah, Biombo has a slightly bigger sample size than Thonmaker. So, <laughs> so do you think best scenario, best case scenario for Biombo is to stay with the Raptors and try again hide for eighty two games a year? Yeah, whatever the I, I think that Biombo is going to be tempted away from the Raptors. I think Masai Ujiri is not going to offer as much as yeah. some other foolish team that is just looking for a big body in the middle. Like say the Brooklyn Nets there, Bob? 
the Brooklyn Nets might be one of those teams. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers might be one of those teams. Well, I, yeah, the Sixers need guards more than anything. Yeah, I suppose so. And, uh, but they're, hold, they're also holding out for that big Dennis Schrader contract next <laughs> offseason, as we've talked about many times. Um, they don't give it all to Dion Waiters this offseason. Oh, that's true. Yeah, free agent. Next, next year <laughs> they're going to be rolling with a, a Schrader-Waiters backcourt. You know who I'd love to see in Brooklyn more than anybody is Jeremy Lin. Okay. I'd love to see Lin Sanity all over again. I Back really in New York? the first time. Right. Yeah. Let the Knicks see it from across town. Yeah. They're going to hire, you know, every good player from five years ago and think that that's going to work. Watch the Brooklyn Nets, you know, roll out players I've never even heard of in their starting yeah. lineup and Jeremy Lin and get more more viewers from that there was a user on reddit power 79 that pointed out jeremy lynn's career with the stars on the team hurt yeah it's only a 33 game sample for his career but in the 33 games when either carmelo james harden kemba walker or batum were hurt lynn's teams went 23 and 10 and that's a better record than when their stars were in the lineup. Statistically, with, through all these games in the 33 games, 20.4 points, 6.4 assists, 3.7 rebounds, 48% shooting, 44% three-point shooting. So just give Jeremy Lin the ball and no good teammates, and he yeah. will give you Lin sanity. You tell me about this Brooklyn Nets yes. lineup next year, okay? Jeremy Lin at the one. They signed Courtney Lee at the two. Okay. Parsons for the three. Anderson for the four. And just spread them all out. Have Lopez down on the block. And just shoot, try and shoot teams to death. Parsons on there, too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Nets have over $50 million in cap space this, the this Net, year. The Nets have $55 million. Wow. So that, that's, you would be able to fit Lynn... I mean, maybe that's too many shooting. Maybe maybe I just got excited. Like, you know who who has nets written all over him? Brandon Jennings. Brandon Jennings is possible, yeah. An upgrade over the 56th pick in the <laughs> NBA draft this year. All right, Matt, let's do a couple of quick questions here okay. to cover some of the other free agents. Do you have a free agent on your wish list as a Phoenix Suns fan? No, like I, I, Besides Jared Dudley. I have thought, uh, friend of the show, Aaron and I did talk about Dudley uh-huh. coming back. Um, I don't think the Suns have any business signing mm-hmm. anybody this year. I re-signed Toledovich. Which Just let Devin Booker I, I keep, shoot. I keep saying re-signed Toledovich like it's this big, massive event <laughs> that's going to happen. But they don't. They they realistically don't have a shot at anybody I'm, I'm looking through these free agents they realistically don't have a shot at a big at a big name player sb nation writer predicted yeah, yeah, yeah. let's not talk about that <laughs> I, yeah, no. kent Bazemore four-year 84 million dollar contract for the phoenix suns uh yeah i mean that's like stunning yeah stunning <laughs> yeah you be terrible this year and draft a wing next year in the draft 
Like don't yeah. don't don't give twenty million dollars a year to Bazemore. I know Bazemore I think played well against the Suns this year, but don't fall into the trap of he played well against us, so we might as well just sign him. If they had to sign someone, let, let's play that world where they yeah okay. in this world. I would be down with Fournier. Fournier, okay. Like at a at a wing spot. He's going to be pretty coveted for you. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. If they had to, if they had to sign someone, someone like that, oh, someone who can play a two or a three, uh, or if they can find. If they can find a slasher, someone who can get to the rim. I got to say, as a Clippers fan, I'm really going to miss Jamal Crawford. Seems, yeah. Seems like he's not going to be returning to the Clippers. At 36 years old, he looks 26, plays like he's 26 still. Yeah. I'm really going to miss saying, come on, Jamal. Come on, Jamal. At the Clippers game. Yeah. My favorite thing to do. <laughs> I, I'm really curious to see who the Sacramento Kings – <laughs> convinced to play for their joke of a franchise. Someone, the SB Nation guy said that Ryan Anderson's going to sign there for twenty million a year, and that would be brilliant. <laughs> Someone's got to take their money. Someone has. They have. They have. Uh, I have here. They're. They have thirty million dollars to spend. So they're fairly close to the floor of the salary cap. Gotcha. Who would you rather have on your team, Dion Waiters or Eric Gordon? Oh man! If you had to pay them, let's say each twelve million dollars a year, I'd rather have Waiters. Yeah, yeah. He, At least he'd play. Yeah, but he he also in the playoffs showed defensive hustle. Remember okay. when he was locking down for a couple possessions there? Yeah. Well, I say <laughs> that more. I don't. I say that compared to what he usually did, but there were games where he was actually playing well on both ends. Yeah. Unfortunately, I haven't seen Eric Gordon play well. Since the Clippers, really. Yeah. Matt, I got a, uh, a diss of the week. Oh, man. Yo mama is so fat! This comes from the third pick in the draft this year, Jalen Brown. Uh, via Jay King on Twitter. Jay King reported that Jalen Brown dunked on a kid at a summer camp. Why? (laughs) I can't wait. He said Ben Simmons was better. Oh, man. Kid had it coming. Yeah. You saw the summer camp video of James Harden doing the uh, trick move on his camper. Did you see that? Oh. Your buddy Aaron uh, tweeted Brickhouse Pod about it. Yeah. And... Yeah, James is just doing this one-on-one move with this camper guy and then throws the ball behind his own back over both of their heads towards the basket and then air dribbles. And the kid is just sitting there watching him air dribble, still trying to guard him. And then after a couple seconds realizes the ball isn't there anymore and Harden (laughs) runs around him and dunks the ball. (laughs) It was more of a visual diss of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard to... To quantify on I'll the podcast. A, I'll take a diss of the week, visual or otherwise, Bob. <laughs> on the next episode of Brick House. Well, on the next episode, I think we're going to be catching up listeners on all the money these players are going to be swimming in. I predict Dion Waiters and Hassan Whiteside are going to be caught mainlining Shirley Temples and fried foods <laughs> in the Bahamas like days after they sign their long-term contracts. Yeah. Uh, joining but joining them are going to be Andrew Bynum and Eric Dampier. Oh, yeah. They just have permanent residences down there. Antoine Walker has a has a space <laughs> in the 
Large they sold it to pay thing. off some child support Oof. payments. Joel Too Embiid soon. would love to be there, but he has to go out there and play a couple of seasons right quick before he can get his payday and join those guys down there. You know, if, I think if Embiid was a free agent this off season, he would command a $15 million a year contract. <laughs> Summer of 2018, Matt. We just got to wait till then for Embiid's day. So good. Follow us on Twitter. Check out the pod podcast website, BrickHousePodcast.com, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank mm-hmm. you.